Let's foray into Nevada's wild spaces. This is a half an hour adventure with the Nevada Department of Wildlife. This is Nevada Wild. Here on this Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Zemi now. I just changed my last name to Zemi. And I'm joined by Aaron Keller, our co-host. And today we're lucky enough to be recording in the office of Jen Newmark, our Wildlife Diversity Division Administrator. And then for the very first time, we also have Wildlife Staff Specialist John Young. Welcome, both of you. Hi. Hi. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's exciting. Jen, it's been a while since we've had you on. <laughs> that is true. It has been a long time. So it's good to have you back. And then, John, this is the first time we've ever had you. Do you want to get into your job a little bit? Uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, I've been around now in this position not quite a year yet. I started February of this year, 23, and wildlife staff specialist, which is new to me and still really trying to assess and figure out the ropes, which I figured new positions usually take upwards of two years to really hit your stride. And so I'm still really trying to figure that out. Still fairly new to the state of Nevada, so still trying to get the lay of the land and really am now starting to appreciate the vast size of the state, which really ties into this document that we're going to be talking about, just the sheer size of the state and the resources and the amount of wildlife that we are trying to conserve in this state. So my job is really, in a nutshell, which we'll get into the details, but is to take this document we're gonna talk more about and implement it, so apply it to the real world. So take things written down on paper, all the planning, all of the intellectual content that's gone into this document, and actually move forward with conservation in the real world through our talented team of biologists. So I work a lot with the biologists. They work in the field, I work behind the desk, but I help coordinate them and we help planning um, relevant to this document that we're going to talk about. Nice. Well, we're lucky to have you. Jen, anything you want to add to that? Well, I'll just say that John is um, going to really bring a lot to uh, this uh, implementation of the State Wildlife Action Plan just because he has such a um, vast knowledge of a whole lot of different species. One of the unique things about the Wildlife Diversity Division is that we manage a lot of species and as John alluded to we have uh, upwards of 800 species that occur in the state of Nevada and uh, the vast majority of those lie with the responsibility within wildlife diversity as their non-game species. So um, having a varied background and being able to pivot from birds to reptiles to small mammals at any given time is really important and John has that great skill set so it's going to be it's going to be a fun next couple of years as we dig into our plan a little bit further. Yeah I'm excited to see it all unfold and we'll have you guys back on the podcast as we go but I should have said it at the very beginning we're here to talk about our as both of you mentioned our state wildlife action plan so um, you mentioned it's kind of like this blueprint, and then now it's time to implement it. So could you get into what exactly this 
it's mapping out for us. Yeah. So the state wildlife action plan is meant to be like, I think I like to think of it as a biological strategic plan. And so we have, um, you know, just this incredible diversity in the state and we're relatively small department and an even smaller division. And so, you know, we have to set some types of priorities on how we can manage all of our wildlife. And so this um, state wildlife action plan or the swap um, does exactly that. It takes you know the 800 species plus that we have in the state and it um, drills it down to about 367 species that we're going to prioritize management and conservation actions for over the next 10 years and then we'll be able to um, you know hone in on those important habitats and those important species groups to do some conservation work and um, some of those species are rare and declining but some of them are also common and just important species for the state and you know they really do cover all the department priorities so there's not just non-game species in there but we have uh, mule deer and bighorn sheep those are very important species to the state and then we have of course all of our aquatic species and fun fact but Nevada is one of the richest states in our endemic fishes and even though we're the driest state we have a lot of really good aquatic resources too. That's really interesting and it's good to know, <clears throat> I don't know, just as someone, as an outsider, like before I worked at Endow, I didn't know who was looking out for all of these little species we have. When you think of Endow, you think of game species a lot or fish species. So it's just good to hear there is this plan and clearly so much work that goes into making this plan and pri prioritizing the different species and how we manage them. Yeah, and one other thing I'll add is just, um, so the swap, this is the third iteration of the swap, and so it's um, a 10-year document. Our first one we developed in 2005, and then we were a little bit ambitious, and instead of letting it go 10 years, we went eight years, and we revised it in uh, 2012, and so this is the 10-year revision of that 2012 plan, but um, it is a it's a large document and it's not um, developed in a vacuum and it really is developed with um, partnerships both internally with between all the division within the department but also with all of our external partners um, we had over 15 federal state tribal non-governmental organizations and others um, provide input and help us develop this plan and we have over 80 contributors to it so while we say it's Nevada Department of Wildlife's State Wildlife Action Plan, it really is meant to be a conservation blueprint for um, all the state and for all of our partners. So anybody can take this plan, take a little, the pieces that are relevant to their work and start implementing good conservation actions. And where did you even start with developing this? I mean, I know back in 2012, I mean, we, ha we introduced a new plan and now this is our next iteration of it so where do you where do you even start with that oh my gosh it was definitely one of those um do we really have to get started on this but yeah it took two years and uh, um we were fortunate enough to have some um, <clears throat> external funding from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service through science applications. And we used that, um, one of the pieces that we used that funding for was to hire a consultant who really truly kept us like on task, which was important because, you know, when you're developing a really big document, it doesn't mean your daily work goes away. And so it's easy to, you know, push that off for a bit. Um, so it was a lot of meetings, a lot of coordination, a lot of discussions, um, maybe a 
few fights here and there over <laughs> <laughs> what species to prioritize and what not to. But um, yeah, and it just kind of snowballs from there. And having the plan there before helps so you can, you know, kind of build on things and not just completely reinvent the wheel. And like you said, I mean, this is something for agencies, any agency to use, any partner to use. So Absolutely. You know, anybody can pick up the plan and can, you know, find uh, actions. It's very action driven. So it's not just characterizing, but it's actually talking about the highest priority actions that we need to do to make sure that these species are stable and in good numbers and will be around for generations to come. And each of the... Um, uh, we call them species of greatest conservation need. Those are what we refer to um, the prioritized species. But <clears throat> we also have species accounts for each of those. And so it's also a really great educational resource. And I know um, some of my teacher friends have used them to help develop curriculum and classes. It covers life history characteristics. And it's really like a good opportunity to learn about the wildlife that live in our state too. You guys were the lucky ones who got to do all the work and create this blueprint, but now it's out there for people to use. So kudos to both of you. So, Thanks. John, where do we go from here with this plan? Well, the goal of the plan, as Jen mentioned, is to conserve wildlife. Short and sweet. But it's not that simple, obviously. We're talking about over 300 species on our priority list. And most of those species we really don't have much information on. We know they occur here, but we really don't know how they're doing. Are they stable? Are they declining? Uh, in an ideal world, we at minimum, at best, at minimum, we have a stable population. But ideally, we have increasing populations in the face of all these threats that they have. But what are the threats? So we want to look at the threats. We want to look at how the populations are doing so that we can start to focus our minimal resources, which is a, a limited team of biologists and funding, to actually implement some of these actions on the ground. But how do you do that if you don't know what species, how they're doing, where are they, what's going on there? So a lot of the initial stages of it is inventorying these species, so understanding the spatial spread across the landscape. And of course, the state is so huge, that is a, a tall order. So even that in and of itself is a challenge. So really what NDAL, the Diversity Division, has been doing a lot of is this inventorying to understand that, that basically is a capture of a baseline of how these species are doing, that through time we can start to monitor and understand are they stable or are they declining or are they increasing? And then we start to assess the threats. What are threatening these species and what can we do to stabilize or reverse the decline? And that's, again, that's a, that's a very tall order and we're, we haven't even really gotten there in a lot of cases. Some cases these th threats are identifiable and we can actually address them, like habitat degradation from human impacts, for example, we can, we can actually manage for that. Other things that are, are, are bigger, like climate change, wildfires, invasive species, there's, there's a spectrum of threats. So identifying those threats, identifying how they impact each one of these species, and then out of the, the list of species, identifying which ones do we want to act on right now based on the information that we have or do not have. So again, it's, it's a very tall order, but the ultimate goal is to conserve wildlife. And one piece of the plan that I think is really important too is that it doesn't just deal with 
the animals themselves, but it also, you know, speaks to their habitats. So we have 20 key habitat types that have been um, identified within the plan. And it there's comprehensive information about the status of those habitat types, but also um, approaches to, you know, how we're going to um, make sure that those habitats are healthy and functioning and serving the needs of the species. And I know John and I were talking earlier about um, one of our novel approaches is a um, resist. The other <laughs> is, is rad. Ooh, I like that. Very, Very rad. rad. Resist, accept, and direct. So when you, when you take whatever it is you're looking at, whether it's a habitat type or a specific species or, or both, you assess the situation relative to some some standard. How was it a thousand years ago, a hundred years ago, or how would we like it to be in the future? Whatever you select, and then you assess what it is right now in the context of everything that we are in in 2023. And you basically need to understand, in some cases, some situations, there's nothing you can do. So that's the A, that's the acceptance. You need to accept that. And you could have an endless supply of dollars and people power, and you're not going to be able to change a thing. But in other cases, you can resist change or negative change. And then in, in certain situations, you can actually direct that. And direct is really another word for management. And that's where funding and people power come into play. So that framework of rad, resist, accept, and direct is really powerful because it can take an overwhelming idea across this very large landscape with a, a tremendous amount of wildlife species and, and, and turn it into a more manage, manageable framework that you can actually start to look at and take little chunks at a time and start to get some momentum going. And focus where you're gonna have the most bang for your buck as opposed to endlessly trying to chip away on something that you can't control in some cases. Some cases you just have to accept that the landscape in this area has changed so drastically that we need to move to somewhere where we get more bang for our buck. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. It does. There's so much that goes into this. I'm overwhelmed for you guys, <laughs> but I totally respect you for taking all of this on and doing this work. But we're going to take a quick break right there. We will be right back. You are listening to Nevada Wild. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, leave us a review on iTunes and SoundCloud. For more information on hunting, fishing, boating, and all things wildlife, go to endow.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are joined by Wildlife Diversity Division Administrator Jen Newmark and Wildlife Diversity Staff Specialist John Young. And before the break, we were talking all about our state wildlife action plan, which we just released the newest version. And this is the third time we've done this. And it seems like each time we add some new features. So, John, do you want to get into what's new with the 2022 yeah. action plan? Um, well, the biggest, most sweeping changes would be a little more, I guess, uh, subtly infused throughout it, which would just be general as science has progressed and our understanding of ecology and natural resources management it, that starts to infuse itself throughout these documents through time which is good we always want to stay stay up to date with modern science and techniques and management actions etc um, but other than that the, one of the other really significant ones is the addition of 
terrestrial invertebrates into our species of greatest conservation need, our priority invertebrate species. Um, the Nevada Department of Wildlife hasn't had and currently still does not have uh, management authority over terrestrial invertebrates. So things like pollinators, butterflies and bees, other things, ants and beetles, those are all the small little little critters that are usually overlooked but play a very significant role in the overall ecological health of our state. And so of course you want to think about those creatures in conservation because all of it plays a role in the general health and general conservation across the board. So the fact that those are now included is a, is a really big step and a lot of other states are including those. And although, again, Nevada Department of Wildlife doesn't have management authority over terrestrial invertebrates, that's the first step in starting to move towards that authority to actually start to conserve those intentionally. Um, in the past, these, this plan has included several aquatic invertebrates, like freshwater mussel, for example, um, and freshwater snails. But this is the first plan of Nevada's that actually includes those terrestrial invertebrates. Yeah, I was really excited when I saw that. I didn't realize that was happening. And we get questions all the time in con ed, um, conservation education from the media or on social media asking about those type of little species. And I never have, I never know how to answer them because it's such a gray area. Yeah. So it's good that we're taking this step yeah. in the right direction. It seems like that also enables our partners to be able to kind of pull yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was just going to say that same thing where this is, you know, an opportunity where the department is going to be partnering with other organizations like the Xerces Society and the Nevada Division of Natural Heritage in accomplishing some of the goals that we've set out for these terrestrial pollinating invertebrates. So that'll be awesome. And it's, you know, many hands make light work. I think that's that yeah. saying, right? Something like that. Sounds good. So hopefully, you know, as we continue to collaborate with our partners, um, we can we can start achieving some of these goals. Um, and another piece of the plan that I'm really excited about, and I probably am a little biased when I say this, but I think Nevada has been a leader in um, including in our state wildlife action plans um, more than just the biological priorities. And so we, um, and particularly in this version, we really do talk a lot about opportunities for us to serve our Nevada citizens better and connect them with their wildlife resources and their natural resources. Um, so there is a lot about nature tourism um, and, you know, our wildlife discovery trail that we're developing and just different ways that we can get our general public to um, enjoy their wildlife resources. Um, it's great that we're here working super hard and conserving them and managing them, but we also want all the public to know it and to experience it and to be connected to it. So I'm really excited about that part. And of course, that's your guys' work world yeah. as well so hopefully you're excited yeah no it's so nice to see I think it I feel like it took a long time for people to start understanding the role that communicators and educators play in this because I mean it's a huge piece so I feel like that's finally getting some recognition and it's really exciting to see it included in here yeah and uh, anybody that's listened to the podcast before knows or has heard Bobby Jones talk and so just outdoor connection and how important it is to those partners. So we, we created a whole position, but that's all he does is think about how people can connect to the outdoors and the wildlife and the conservation. And so he's got a tall task ahead of him. 
right man for the job. <laughs> he is. Yeah. All of our listeners know about he, we might as well make him a host at this point because he's always on here. <laughs> I feel like, um, like we, so we had, um, conservation education and, you know, nature tours and wildlife viewing in our 2012 plan. Um, and I, I'm fortunate enough to work with some national partners and I'm starting to see that become more and more included in other states' wildlife action plans as well. So almost every, I don't actually, I think every state has a state wildlife action plan. Um, and now as states are starting to revise their plans, we're a few years ahead of them. Um, most states are due in 2025, they're looking at our Nevada plan and they're seeing these examples of how it's inclusive and it's comprehensive and it is bringing in that communication side. It is bringing in the connections to nature and they're also starting to include that. So that's why I say I think Nevada's pretty cool because we're a leader. Look at you trailblazers (laughs) over here. Oh, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> it is. Um, another piece and uh, that I, I think is pretty exciting about the plan is that for the first time ever, we included um, some regional considerations. Uh, wildlife does not understand borders and they don't respect borders. They continue to <laughs> go to other places. And so thinking about management and conservation beyond our borders is really, really important. Um, We had the opportunity to work with the state of Arizona, who is also revising their state wildlife action plan at the same time. And we developed a regional um, chapter that will help us move some of those bigger landscape um, type conversations forward. And in fact, um, from that, just Arizona and Nevada working together, we have an ad hoc collaborative group that meets once a month and it has Utah and New Mexico and Arizona and California and Colorado and Nevada and we're all talking about you know conservation and management and building strategies that transcend each individual state to really start looking at range-wide full life cycle type conservation. Interesting. It is. Yeah. <laughs> to think about it. It's like big mind-blowing stuff in some way. Yeah, it's pretty, it's, it is um, definitely, and to John's point earlier that, you know, if you think about conservation from a range-wide perspective, it can be very overwhelming. But when you're working with your partners and you're thinking about how you can parse that down into actions that are synergistic across the range, that's when you get the big bang for your buck. Like, um, you know, we if we can do all the things mm-hmm. for, let's say, um, a migratory bird in Nevada, that's right. But if where they migrate to, <laughs> they're not doing that work or there's problems there, then, you know, our work is is not as effective. That's a really good example of how animals don't know state borders. So it's really important. Everyone's working together. Yeah. And it makes it even more impressive that you're able to connect those dots in a document, you know, to where it makes sense and it is actionable for more than one person. Yeah. And then leading the charge Nevada with all these other Western states, it allows these to Jen, as Jen was saying, they're, they're synergistic. So they kind of overlap with each other. They speak the same language. They really kind of come together in a nice little efficient way that helps with that. And, and in some cases, it's not just Western United States. There's a lot of more involvement with south of the border, for example, a lot of oh, migratory yeah. waterfowl that are coming up. And not just waterfowl, but all types of wildlife that move long distances. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah, we see those amazing stories every year where it's like, oh, this antelope went for 
a walk for 1,400 miles, and you're like, what? what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eye-opening for sure. Yeah, and I think working together, you know, we have the opportunity to um, – Make sure corridors are available for that antelope mm-hmm. to walk, you know, mm-hmm. 1,400 miles and for our monarchs to migrate um, from Nevada to California for all those different types of migrations. And I think thinking that big picture, um, Nevada has a key role in our part of the management, but then it needs to build up into that range-wide side of it. So it's exciting, and I think it's sort of the beginning of um, Western states starting to work together a little bit more um, consistently. We always have worked together, but I think there's, like, you know, strategic actions that we're taking that really um, are moving the needle in a positive way. When you actually have this plan on paper, (laughs) it's going to... You guys have to keep working together. Yeah, and as we were talking, one thing that I'm actually kind of excited about is to watch our rock stars of uh, our wildlife educators take it and, like, put it into school yes. curriculum and things like that. I think that would be really very interesting and very cool to see what they come up with. They're very creative staff members. And Super creative. It's going to be exciting to see that. And um, and I'm also uh, so excited about the Wildlife Discovery Trail that oh, we yeah. are developing. It is going to be so amazing, you know, this opportunity for people to go outside and see their wildlife and have the education piece of it, have the experience of it. Oh, so it's excited. the ultimate yeah. way to connect people with wildlife. Yeah. <laughs> So um, how I feel like we should get into, we have a few minutes left, um, funding moving into the future to be able to implement this plan. You two are looking at each other, <laughs> saying who goes. Well, you should be able to speak more articulately about the, the, the genesis of the federal plan of what is a state wildlife action plan in terms of funding and how that pays for us to be here and do the mm-hmm. work that we're doing and the whole team. Yeah, it's a, um, it's kind of a, a long history and a long story of conservation, but I think that you know it's it's accurate to say that there is a lack of funding for holistic wildlife management, just the way that you know um, our system has been set up. And for decades, um, wildlife managers have been working across the nation and um, even internationally on ways that we can have holistic funding for all wildlife management, not parsing it out into individual species or individual guilds. And so um, state wildlife action plans make states and territories eligible for what's called state and tribal wildlife grants. Um, Those grants are primarily what funds the implementation of our swaps, but they, it is just like a drop in the bucket of what's needed. And I think, um, you know, longtime listeners or people who know Nevada and know Endow have heard about us talking um, about Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which is a federal act that would bring um, up to $1.3 billion a year to states to implement our action plans. And so there was analysis done that looked at all the state's individual plans, looked at all the numbers of species, and there's like over 12,000 of them in the nation that have been identified, and and realized that if we want to be proactive and if we want to prevent species from being listed and we want to have fully functioning ecosystems, this is what it takes. And so there is a bill 
in, in the Senate right now that um, would uh, enact that Recovering America's Wildlife Act. The House is working on uh, another uh, companion bill to that. And, you know, I just it would be a game changer for Nevada. It would be a game changer for all the states to be able to do this holistic wildlife management. Um, it would take us up to, I think, um, somewhere around $25 million more a year for conservation wow. in our state. Um, and that's, you know, and each state would see an increase in size like that. Well, we're going to keep pushing for it. And this isn't the last you'll see at Brawa. Moving into the future, we're going to be posting information about it and making sure it gets out there so people are aware and know what they could do, too. Absolutely. Um, well, where could people find the State Wildlife Action Plan? They want to check it out. Well, it, it will be up on our webpage. <laughs> and out, out of work. And, yeah. <laughs> and we are planning to make it a little more interactive. At the moment, it's just kind of static documents. But the, the plan, like a lot of states are doing, is web enabling it. So they're more interactive. It's not just a PDF that you can actually search it and active links. And the, the maps alone are just visually stunning. But to, to have more interactive maps, to look at them a little in higher resolution to get a better sense of the diversity of habitat types across the state, for example. Um, so that's going to be a really cool thing to look out for. Yeah, and I think that'll have like some really cool and um, links between like you want to know about species, you know, X, and you go look at that species, and then you're like, I want to link it to its habitat, and you'll be able to link to that. Um, we have some very specific prioritized actions for by species, and so people can um, hopefully the vision is that they'll be able to um, search through those or um, uh, filter is the word I was looking for, filter for different components that are important to them, and then just to really tell the story of conservation and management, and there's lots of really creative, awesome ways to be able to do that online, and so over the next year, we'll be developing that um, and linking it to our wildlife discovery pages, where we have lots of nice photos and other information, um, developing it into curricula for educators. There's there's just a ton that we we can do endless opportunity yeah <laughs> we said the same thing in different terms <laughs> yeah I'm excited to see where it goes and I do have to give it a mention I think when people hear about this big plan they just picture this big document but as a conservation education person who's all about visuals it is beautiful this plan there's so many good pictures you guys did a great job making it look pretty thank you yeah we really did want to make it accessible readable and um, it is long but it has a lot of good graphics in there and I do think it's it's pretty readable it is. It really is. Well, go check out the plan, endow.org. And thank you both so much for being here. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Of course. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild. again next week for our next adventure, Nevada Wild. It's a production of the Nevada Department of Wildlife.